Welcome everybody to the Too High Podcast. I am Seth Galina, alongside, as always, Deontay Lee. Deontay, what's going on? Not much, man. We got a we got a little thunderstorm problem in San Diego. Apparently, the city is tropical now. It was like 85 degrees and humid, and there was lightning with like no rain. So I don't know when we became Nebraska out here, but I guess this is where we're at now. But this is good because I need I need to peg you guys down like, <laughs> right. some spots on the weather ranking because you guys are like a top three weather city right. in the world. Right. Uh, I just need you to get back to my level. I need to come down to the to us plebeian level. I was gonna, one one of these days when when I get the time to come out to Cincinnati, I can humble myself and see how the rest of you all live. I I, I will say uh, I didn't realize how humid Cincinnati was. That's yeah, yeah, crazy. I asked um, when I was here in August, I we were walking, me and Austin, uh, Austin Gale were walking around and I literally turned to him and I was like, is this humidity? Like, is this what humidity is? Like, I didn't even know. And it gets kind of <laughs> humid in Montreal, but like, I didn't even know. Anyways, no one wants to hear us talk about the weather for the bunch <laughs> of time. Uh, what they do want to hear us talk about is the biggest game of the week in the NFL, which is Bill's Chiefs. That is Sunday night. And I think it's going to be a good one two really good offenses, two pretty good defenses. However, when we, both of us went back and kind of looked at the tape, especially from the AFC Championship game last year, when the Bills went to Kansas City, there was something that kind of stood out to us where we, we think the Bills are good offense. However, we don't love the matchup versus Kansas City's defense. Can you explain that to, to, to the listeners? I mean, the one, the, the issue really is that the way that they want to play offense happens to be the exact way that Kansas City not only wants to defend, but basically the only way they can play defense, which is playing spread. Like they have the spread defense, right? And it makes sense for Kansas City because they're allocating so many resources to their offense that they basically leaned all the way into the fact that they have a generational quarterback. So we'll spend our money and our draft picks on pass rushers and DBs and nothing else. And we'll, we know, we know that you know that you have to score in order to beat us, right? Like, we can basically say, like, that 2018, was that 2018 AFC title game where New England kind of dominated them in the first half? I think that's that's one of the last times I can really remember a high-stakes Chiefs game where I could say, like, the offense had legitimate problems moving the ball. And that really only lasted for, what, 30 of the 60 minutes, not counting overtime. So for that reason, I just don't like the matchup. I do think it'll be an exciting game. And I think that, you know, not too dissimilar from the AFC title game last year, Buffalo can kind of hang. They'll at least score enough to keep it entertaining. But I don't know how you threaten this Kansas City defense if all you do is spread the way the Buffalo does. So I have this theory that they their offense didn't wasn't great against Kansas City in the NFC Championship game. That was their last game of 2020. And then week one of 2021, so their next game against the Steelers, trying to do the same thing. Yeah. And as we know, they lose the game. The offense sputtered again. And I think it spooked them. And they're saying in the past three games, they're a lot more... All these tight ends and fullbacks started popping up out of nowhere. All these tight ends and fullbacks. <laughs> more play action from under center. A little more runs. Because what, what the issue was when and we talked about this, I think, two weeks ago. The issue with the, the Bills' um, offense is it kind of forces you to have a generational player at quarterback. And they kind of do. Um, like, Josh Allen is really good. so they, they kind of, And it works for them for, you know, 90% of the season against 90% of the teams they're going to face. But like you said, 
Kansas City wants to play dime. Like, they want to put 60 Bs on the field, and most teams won't, won't do that against a team that's even an 11 personnel, you know, three receivers and a tight end. Kansas City loves to do that. So when you go back and you watch the AFC Championship game, what is Kansas City doing? Um, they've held up in man, I will say that. They held up in man, which will be tougher as the receiving core for the Bills has gotten better this offseason. But they held up in man last year. They played a lot of two high coverages, a lot of Tampa two rotating to it in weird ways. And I think that's something we can talk about too, is like we, neither of us love just like, you know, like we talked about like last week, like we, none of us love that the Eagles and the Colts just like play cover too. But if you can rotate in unique ways to get into cover two and confuse a quarterback that way, then I got no problem with it. So they're able to do that. And when you're going to be in dime, and you're going to play with two high coverages, you got to run the football. And they were giving away, they they were giving away the weak side B gap time and time again against Josh Allen and the Bills last year, and they didn't want to run the football. Now, again, you could have a game, you that same exact game plan could play out again uh, this coming week, but Josh Allen just has a, a slightly better game or, or like a, a, you know, an a, an a, a good game to to elite game, and the Bills still win the, the game. game. The way that he start, yeah, like if, exactly. if Josh Allen doesn't start that game the way that he started the game, that probably does go down to the wire. It just happened to get away from him so fast. Yeah, so like it could happen because Josh Allen is that good of a quarterback. But I do think that probably going forward, and you would imagine like. I understand the Chiefs want to be a dime team. Like he's so they're they're very good in dime, and I think Spags wants to be a dime dime defense when they when they play against these type of teams. More teams will probably end up doing that to the um, to the Bills, and we kind of saw it with the Steelers, and we talked about this with Ben Solak and Stephen Ruiz a few weeks ago. But they played a lot of cover two. They were able to get pressure on the quarterback uh, by rushing four, and it kind of that offense was bottled up a bit, and it's like. And, and again, I go back to my point. Like, so they those two games, Steelers and Chiefs in the AFC Championship game, you know what the Bills' most common formation was? Empty. Like, that's wild. Like, that is that is living out in the spreadiest world possible and telling your quarterback, you got to be a playmaker right now on every snap. And I think it's okay for them to reel it back a bit uh, and get into the stuff that they've run the last three weeks, where it's like, all right, we can be a little more under center, we can be a little more play action. We don't have to. Uh, we don't have to. Even if we're not in empty, you know, one of the things that they're in like one back, they'll release the back every play. So like, we don't even have to do that. We can keep the back in. We can kind of create an, a, a, an easier time for Josh Allen, so he doesn't have to be the super Josh Allen that he that he can be, but he doesn't have to be it every week. Um, and I think that is. So that, that for me is a, the, the most interesting storyline going into this game is like, okay, are we going to be the same team and just hope Josh Allen has a great game again uh, in, instead of what he did in the FC title game? Or are we just going to say, hey, we can change the offense a bit. We can get into some more easier looks. We can run the, we can run the ball a little bit, especially against dime two hot defenses where they're giving you the weak side B gap. Um, and then we can and then we can try and see if we can win the game that way. I mean that would be that would be my guess, especially early in the game. I think that they do have to try to establish something on the ground on early downs, especially because if you end up in second and nine, and then you have to be in eleven personnel, and they get to bring that six DB on the field, yeah, and they start doing all those different Tampa two rotations, and they start simulating pressure, and you know, one thing I will give Kansas City credit for, and this is something that we saw when we were kind of watching it to prep for the matchup was. 
how effective they actually are at playing cover zero. And that's what unlocks so much of what they do defensively um, because they put so much speed on the field. They can blitz six and still feel confident in coverage. And then from there, because you have to honor it, all those crazy uh, cover one and cover two rotations that they can get to from out of it becomes a problem. Like they run these trap fire zones. They run these Tampa two rotations, like you said, where Tyron Matthew can go from looking like he's playing cover one robber to playing that middle hole in Tampa two. They can play quarters out of it. So you really have to avoid it, not just because having six DBs means it's harder to pass, but the way they're able to change pictures on offenses for what the Bills like to do, which is not really run like a ton of concepts, but to just get their best players in the spaces on the field where they feel like Josh Allen can fit the ball into. You have to try to avoid that as much as possible because Spags is excellent, like top 5% in the NFL at being able to take away those intermediate throwing windows. And that's what the AFC Championship game was last year. There was just nowhere to throw in the intermediate windows. And by the time Allen could get to the check down, the way that they were being a pressure was a problem for them. Um, and that's another thing that becomes an issue with when you want to be spread, right? It's hard to create all the protection answers that you might need for versus a defense that wants to blitz you blind. So that's going to be like, that is the matchup to me. It's like, what happens on early downs? because that's going to say a lot about how much defense the Chiefs can or can't run. Uh, a point about checkdowns, especially in the in the Josh Allen Bills offense, that I think has really taken them you know, from whatever they were doing in 18 and 19 to what happened in 20 and, and then this year, is that he is, he's gotten so much better at getting to checkdowns. And, they're not, and I wouldn't even say like necessarily like the checkdown, but you know, you, you will, we will remember that the offense corner, Brian Dable, yes, uh, his last stop, I believe, before coming to the Bills was in Alabama. So that's a different offense. But before that was in New England. And we all understand how important the uh, underneath option routes there are for the Patriots in those days. And they've kind of been able to get, obviously, Cole Beasley on a lot of those routes. And he's and Josh Allen's able to find him quickly against pressure so not necessarily a check down where it's like you know touchdown to check down let me go one two three and then check the ball down it's like oh i i feel pressure i can get the ball out and i can do it accurately and to the right person and that's kind of what i mean there's a lot i mean josh allen just improved in like all, almost every area but i do think that is a, a a big improvement for them going forward and then that allows you to mitigate some of the issues obviously that you're going to have like you said if we're going to be an empty protection team all the time. And and again, it's like, I don't, I don't know. I think, I honestly think it spooked them. Those two games spooked them so much that I just don't, I think they know that they're such a good team that you don't really have to be this offense anymore. Right. You're going to, you're going to, you can probably win a division doing whatever you want. You're right. a good football team. They're a very good football team. So yeah, I think they can get into some different stuff and, and not have to worry about like, hey, we're the spread team now. Like, we can do both now. We're, we're pretty good at, at doing both. And I think, I mean, it's just important for them. They've got to have another answer against basically... Yeah, that's the main 20, thing, yeah. It's like, it's against 27 or 28 teams in the NFL, they can do exactly what they do, and they don't have that's to it. sweat it. No but problem. when we saw it against the Chiefs and then with the Steelers, because they also have a deep defensive back room, and you can start doing a little bit more in coverage, it's not just, hey, we're putting six DBs on the field so that we can play cover one with a DB as a rat in the hole instead of a linebacker. But like, no, we can actually play different zone coverages out of it. Those are the issues because you can't, you can't do that the same way out of nickel. Or if you try to, 
one thing that we saw last year and, and when he gets when the Bills get the matchups they want is that Allen has become a very good processor of finding those mismatches and those holes to attack and coverages. So again, it's it's all about early downs for me. If if Buffalo can't win the early downs again, then they're in the same kind of trouble that they were in in the AFC championship game last year. One of the things that I think the Chiefs have going for them when they do play dime, which I would imagine they'll start the game off like that, is Daniel Sorensen is not is a good player. He's like he can play in the box, and you're not like dead because you have a, a dime backer down there in the box. Uh, and I think that helps them a lot because a lot of teams don't have that type of player who can who can just kind of be both you know a hybrid inside linebacker and and the safety that he is so i think that that helps him a lot uh let's flip it to um the other side of the field uh i think you want to talk a bit about the chiefs offense um and what they've been doing this year um so it really stood out to me this past week against philadelphia like one thing that we know about um philly and, and sirianni coming from the colts is that they're going to give you a bunch of off coverage they're going to play a lot of soft zone they're going to bail their linebackers 15 to 17 yards deep to take away those over routes um so you know and this isn't the first time the teams have tried to approach approach the chiefs this way um i think the thing that i was most impressed with was the fact that they were able to find a way to run a spread run game and you pointed it out to me and called it like the old rich rodriguez offense right from <laughs> 2004 2005 like the west virginia era Meaning that, like, they're running outside zone out of spread. But if you run outside zone out of spread, you don't have the same kind of presence on the edge that you would have out of 21 personnel, right? Where you have a tight end and a fullback. So what you have to do, you almost have to block it like you would set up your protection. So you're almost running like a four-man slide in a way. That's basically how they were running it. So the tackle stays on the backside. The backside tackle yeah. stays on the backside end. And then those four linemen from guard to play side tackle are basically just counting the four. Right, you get the four most dangerous to the play side, and then because they're so effective with their RPO game, now you're basically beating that unblockable defender, that backside linebacker, with Patrick Mahomes' eyes. Right, like yeah. he's got to honor, he's got to honor that slant, and you can see um, the more the more that Philadelphia tried to sit in that slant hole, and Kansas City started handing the ball off, the better you know, more downhill they were able to get. I mean, they ran for 200 yards, so that that says a lot. And then the second that those linebackers started creeping towards the, creeping towards the core of the formation, the slant started getting thrown right behind their head. Um, so to see that they have that answer was really impressive. And then the more you're able to do that, then they were able to get into like shotgun play action stuff where they're setting up these deep pockets like you would see out of like the Shanahan West Coast offense from under center where they're faking that outside zone. And because Patrick Mahomes has the arm that he has, he can turn what would be a seven-step drop into like an 11-step drop basically and get a whole bunch of depth and then you get those deep posts you know over the top you get those over routes you can run your sale concepts so you know that's one thing that i'm kind of i'm really interested to see how it grows right i think that we talked about when they drafted creed humphrey and trey smith and these huge linemen that come from these spread offense these spread running games like okay are they going to try to get into more of a power offense and the answer is no it's more just like now we've got the bodies. We're trying to build the bodies up front to play 11 personnel and four open and be able to run the ball. So, and that's all, that's really all that it is. Um, I don't think that, you know, we're not going to see any more 12 personnel. You're not going to see 21 out of them. That takes their best players off the field. Um, but what we will see more of, I think, is what we saw last Sunday when teams start getting into like these two high safety shells or start working these backers where they met like half in, half out. We're going to start seeing them be a lot more effective running the ball downhill. 
Like Creed Humphrey is ridiculous as a center, working from double teams up to the second level. And so is Trey Smith. So that was really, really impressive to me. And if they can continue to do that, I mean, you already couldn't guard them, but I, I really don't know what you do now. Yeah. But, th but this is kind of goes back to a discussion we have a lot, which is like, hey, if you have the quarterback yep. to be a spread team, then be you a can spread be the team. spread team. Yep. Just, and, just, and just like we're talking about with the Bills, like for 90% of, the, of their games, they can be a spread team. We have no problem with that because Josh Allen is a, is a generational player. Well, Patrick Mahomes is also a generational player, so you can be that type of uh, team. Man, imagine Steve Slayton. Uh, who's the quarterback? Uh, he Pat White. CFL. White, Pat White. Yep, Pat White. Steve Slayton, Pat White, but... You're doing what what they Patrick said, Mullen what you just said. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, locking the backside of outside zone instead of always reading the end, and then obviously you know RPOs weren't invented in 2006, but um, you know, and then throwing a slant to like Owen Schmidt or whatever. He was a fullback. It doesn't yep. matter. In that in those old West Virginia, if yeah, you, you ever go back and like watch a game from even like not that long, like 10 years ago, let's say 15 years ago. And you're like, oh my god! They I can't would have like I can't believe yeah. it. Like, it's it's crazy watching and being like, wow, this was the future for a while. <laughs> and you're looking at it like, I can't yeah. believe not that not that none of the plays should work. Obviously, the play design is fine. It's just funny now that we have the context of defending the spread. Now it's like, wow, this is all you had to do to drive defenses crazy, dude. I, if you go back and watch, I, I did this a few years ago. If you go back and watch the classic Rose Bowl game, the Vince Young. Rose Bowl game versus your USC Trojans. Dude, I don't even think they're they're running young a lot, obviously. I don't even think they're reading the end half. I don't think so either. I think it was literally <laughs> just like just win the edge, dude. Win yeah. keep the ball, win the edge. And it was working. So it's yeah. And and you know, it's like cause now that's what I was thinking about. It's like oh, you take those West Virginia teams, you add in an RPL threat. Right. And you're cooking, right? Like no one would is impossible yeah, to, uh, I was, uh, to deal with that. I was watching the Missouri Kansas game from 2007, not too long ago, when oh, they were wow. both like in the top ten or whatever. It was like Chase Daniel. Yeah, and, like, like uh, all this like else, yeah. complete like 100 percent ten personnel offense, and they're able to run like they're running the ball like crazy on people. You know, we've made mention of like the Chip Kelly uh, era Oregon teams. Like it's just wild to think that that's where defense and offense was at really just a decade ago. And now I, no, basically nobody does that stuff anymore. It's already gone. Well, it's so funny because this Chiefs Bills matchup it was supposed to be the future of football, and it's and it's like kind of already pat we're already past that. You know what I mean? Just like a, a, a ten personnel eleven because the Bills play a ton of ten personnel, ten personnel, eleven personnel spread versus dime defense, and it's like it's like that's already kind of come and gone, and we never even right. did it, especially in the NFL. So yeah, we see it sprinkled in because obviously the Chiefs are really good at it. Obviously, um, the Cardinals this year are really good at it. But like, it's kind of come and gone. I, I'll tell you guys a story. Like the when the the football game that changed my life. I don't even know who the the both teams, but it was Missouri in the Brad Smith era. Um, so he was like a running quarterback for Missouri in like 2003, and he ended up playing for the Jets for. He was like a punt returner or a kick returner for the Jets for a bit in the in the 2000s. But I remember back in the day. You'd have to like, I, I like I live in Canada, so like there, I didn't get ESPN. We get like CBS, we get NBC, so I get some of those games. But like any game that was on ESPN, I'd have to like, go on like the Game Center app and watch the helmets move, right? <laughs> and uh, I remember seeing. So I put on, I, I go to the Missouri game, and I see B. Smith rush for seven yards. Cool. I don't know who this player is. B. Smith rush for four yards. B. Smith rush for eighteen yards. 
And then it goes, B. Smith pass for 25 yards. Right. <laughs> and then B. Smith rush for eight yards. This, and I just couldn't, it, it couldn't wrap my like 12-year-old brain around a quarterback running and then Running, throwing. right. I could, right. and that changed my life. I was like, oh, then that's when I started to like kind of look into what those, what was happening there. And, um, and then I ended up copying, literally page for page copying uh, the 2002 Utah playbook in like 2009 for my peewee offense that I was running. Anyways, hey, been let's there. get on. Been there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's get on to a defense that the Chiefs did have some problems with. And that was two weeks ago, had issues. They lose to uh, Brandon Staley's uh, Los Angeles Chargers defense. Chargers, man. Uh, not good last year. Well, they were the, like average on defense last they year. They were competitive. They're so yeah, much competitive, competitive, but not good. This Bring year in Brandon good. Staley. They are a good defense. I think they're like top 10 and they're 10th yeah. in the league in EPA per play. Uh, like, I'll leave it open to you. Like, what are you seeing when you're watching that uh, Brandon Staley defense in his second uh, second stint in, uh, in the NFL? So, to me, um, I said this right before we hopped on, the thing that I love the most about him watching his defenses is that he will lean as hard as he will into whatever the game plan is. So that Chiefs game, you know, they're basically just playing cover one robber. So the safety becomes that whole player instead of a linebacker. And, you know, we talked about this all last year. Number one play for the Chiefs is some version of verticals with an over route coming across the field, right? Or running wide, straight up wide cross. And even if you're running like an RPO, you'd probably rather have a safety as the whole player to get body presence on that slant route than you would a linebacker trying to figure out whether he needs to fit a yeah. gap or play. Because you're, play you're not conflicted if you're coming down like that. Exactly. You're just and looking even, You're looking for the slant route and you're trying to hit it. Exactly. Even if you were conflicted, you're you're rolling from depth, right? So right, your, yeah. vision, your vision on the play is different than as a linebacker, right? Just the entire thought process, playing run to pass or pass to run. Um, so that to me is, is extremely impressive. You know, there have been games where it's been all quarters. There have been games where... He played the bear all the time. Some games where it's all four down. Um, so that that's kind of like the main takeaway. Um, and then this past week, the thing that I walked away from most impressed with was the fact that you're starting to see what the, what he likes to do in terms of fitting the run. Like that's starting to turn a corner a little bit. And it's not all the way there. Like the one thing that I will say, like the bear front, odd front stuff that he does, in general, this is not just a daily thing. That's a great way to protect the fact that you don't have dominant interior defenders. Like that, that's the best way to make sure you're getting one on ones. All your no, if your nose wins, even if it's only like a half win, he can fall on the ground. But as long as he's not getting moved, you you can win the play, and you're keeping linebackers clean. When they get in a four down, you can kind of see them get exposed a little bit when guards and tackles can really start working double teams. So they still need to kind of shore up um, a little bit of their their talent on the interior defense. Um, I said in our little football chat that if I'm him, I have Jordan Davis at the top of my draft board, Ooh. and then I have a long gap between him and the next guy. <laughs> because if they have a guy like that on defense, especially knowing what they already have on O, like that unlocks a bunch for them. But just in terms of like being able to set the edge, being able to work that primary to secondary stuff that he talked about with us, playing a gap and a half, like all those pieces are coming together. And it's cool to see that he was able to take Basically, the same personnel that Gus Bradley has, which is straight four down, cover one and cover three. We're not thinking anything more of it. 
and to be able to adapt it and make it work to where Nwosu and Bosa can both be on the field, and it's not a problem for them. They can fit the rest of the defense around it. Um, you know, and, and I think that that's a credit to, A, having Derwin James back, right? Like, this defense is really about safeties at the end of the day. So yeah. having Derwin James back, and he is still Derwin James. And then, like, the fact that he's developed Nasir Adderley into what he is right now, yeah. like, that that opens up the door for a lot of things in the future if they can continue to stay healthy and then add a little bit of talent going into next season. I think they'll still be think- competitive for the rest of this year, but, um, you know, looking at what they have now versus what they can continue to build – it's going to be it should be a really good defense for years uh so it's your point about the nose who <laughs> has my favorite stance in the league mm-hmm. period yep just i call it the frog frog stance <laughs> yep. baby just get wide get, get wide, wide and, and sit you're your just ass not gonna as move <laughs> but one of the guys one of the unsung heroes of the rams defense last year was their nose tackle sebastian joseph day who Mm -hmm. became one of my favorite players so if they could find a guy who's at that level um then like you said and maybe that's jordan davis from out of georgia who's like one of my favorite players in college football um and that would be that would just take them to 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 another level um you talk about gus bradley it's funny because staley against the chart against the Raiders where Gus Bradley is the defensive coordinator. What did he do on defense? He, he, it was an homage to Gus Bradley on Monday night football. But like you said, they can do a whole bunch of different stuff and he'll lean into this week's game plan. And what was this week's game plan against Derek Carr? Cover three. Yep. Like cover three, cover three, cover three, cover three. Force you to beat me outside, outside the numbers. Like, so they had so the the Raiders had a couple throws outside you know speed outs whatever outside the numbers, Carr, they hit you know Henry Ruggs late in the game on a deep play but for 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 the whole game they really couldn't get anything deep and that was obviously one of the biggest differences in Derek Carr's game this past season is that he was trying to throws deep but if you're gonna play against a Derek Carr quarterback cover three is the way to go right like get players underneath get four underneath defenders and 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 just clog up that area of the field and that's what they did and they're not a cover three team and there's and they're specifically not you know we don't when we think about brandon staley and all the stuff we talked about him uh this offseason we don't think of him as that seahawk style cover three like like the raiders are doing on the other side of the field on monday night but that's what he did like it, it wasn't even that I, I don't have the numbers in front of me but i don't think he they played cover three like a ton but I don't think it was even, oh, I'm going to spin a safety late and it's going to be like a you know a cover three week rotation spinning the safety late. I think they lined up in it a lot and showed it and played it and it and they and the the um the Raiders just had no answer for it to a certain degree because Carr kind of played like Derek Carr and rather than the Derek Carr though I think we saw in the first few weeks. So I thought that was like really um I thought that was really interesting that he just that to me is where Staley has stood out where he's like, I have different game. I'm going to do this. He's apparently a very good teacher. So that helps. And he's like, hey, this week, this is what we're going to do. This is it. Yeah. We remember the um, Eagles game in 2020 when he's with Los Angeles, with the Rams. Mm -hmm. Tight. You know, straight up tight front. Yep. Tight front. Nichols in the the NFL a lot. Yep. Nichols in the fit coming down to play the alley. Like, 
That was what? that was a whole game plan. Literally the entire game plan. They want to play yes. eleven personnel and run RPOs all day. Then we're going to get into the odd front, take away we're zone. Call triple and, defense. Yep, <laughs> we're going to take away these bubbles and screens, and then we'll, we'll rally late to the ball after it rolls off the table. That's again, like that is to me when you start talking about like what really makes for a good a good coach in general, but particularly on defense. Um, you know, I think that you know I had the conversation with. With Chris Vasher, somebody who, who we respect a lot, like it's not about to me. It's not about whether or not you have invented anything new. It's about how you articulate or rearticulate old ideas. Yeah. Or really, it doesn't matter what the age of the idea is, whether it's yours, somebody else's, new or old. It's it's the ability to identify this is what we need to do in order to be successful, and then being able to do whatever it takes to execute that. That's what that's what impresses me most about him and, and why I think this is going to continue to be successful. I think uh, our buddy Steven Ruiz last year wrote an article about the state of defense and specifically brought up that when they went to play against Seattle, and we remember in, during the, uh, the short-lived uh, Russ Cook era, <laughs> they were coming with pass rushes on first down. They were coming with like E.T. Like e. stunts and, and, and right. T.E. stunts and tackle twists on first down because like, hey, we don't need to sit sit back and just rush the passer, you know, in our, in our pass in our pass rush lanes. They're going to throw the football. We're going to play pass defense. Right. And then and then our, our favorite example, uh, it's my favorite example. I think I think I can speak for you is the Packers game in the playoffs, where even mm -hmm. though they lost the game, I mean, you're, that's a defense that you just don't see in the NFL. Yeah, five zero box playing middle five field zero like. box. Yeah, uh, and then letting you know John Johnson, who was playing weak safety at the time, fit the a gap. Like that's just this is not, not what you're doing. You just like, don't do that. To... <laughs> like you just yeah. don't do that. I, yeah. I don't know how else to explain that. You don't do that. If you do that, anybody, if you do that up in the whiteboard and just handed that to to a coach, they'd be like, "There's absolutely no way. No, we're not doing that. That's yeah. not a defense." And, and that's just kind of what I've been really impressed with. He's able to figure out a whole bunch of different stuff that works on a weekly basis and get it get, get it taught to his players and, and like you said that's really what that's what coaching is um it, it's fact I, I always use this example because i went down to um an nfl team i got access to their meeting rooms and the practice and stuff like that a few years ago but they're running a coverage they're running palms okay palms is like a too high coverage or it's like a hybrid between cover two and cover four and i'm looking at it and i'm like Nothing different than if I Googled like Palms coverage football, I will find, you will find that, this yeah. coverage. And one of the, the hardest things about the NFL is how much different, you know, um, checks I would say there are. Um, okay, well, they're in this personnel, this formation, so we don't want to, we want to check or we want to communicate that we might be getting this route, that route, that route. So it's like the, the actual like defenses in the NFL, you go find them on anywhere right like they're they're not that isn't the issue that isn't what makes them complex it's just like how many you have it's the formation you have to play the formation in the nfl it's not like you know and at the college level you can basically say like we can treat all forms of three by one the same we can treat all forms of two back the same you can treat all forms of two by two the same maybe you got some minor adjustments for like some specific yeah. game plan stuff in the league though it's like okay we're gonna play palms to this but if the if the splits are tight they yeah, don't get exactly. the splits are tight to send number two out. They do this to run the over route. So maybe we want to do this instead. If it's two back, we don't just want to do blah, 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 blah. We might get out of palms altogether and just run middle of field closed. Um, and that's really where you can kind of see, like, all the that kind of formational variation is what makes stuff like that different. Like you said, the teaching progression, it, yeah. it's no different. Like, 
when we were talking with Staley, right? Like that was one of the things I think we walked away from it with was like he's not talking about anything that's groundbreaking from like a you know a schematic point of view. It's being a, again, it's being able to articulate these ideas for one, and then understanding what things need to be adjusted, what things don't, and what an offense specifically is trying to get after, and being able to call the defense to take that away. Which is why we are always so impressed with Alabama's defense because yes. they're trying to do stuff like that uh, at exactly. the college level, as opposed to like I think a good example of that is like Dave Aranda, who's mm -hmm. like who's really wants to focus on the 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 exactly what you said like hey this is what we do to trips this is what we do to two guys this is what we do to this this is what we do to four open two by two this is what we do to three by one yep. and we have a couple calls but for the most part we're always doing that and we're just trying to these little game plan tweaks week to week but we everyone kind of knows what we're playing we just do it at a really high level right um and i, I think man our, our 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 friend of ours cameron soren read an article about the difference between aranda and gary patterson in that same way mm -hmm. patterson's always trying to get into the right call right call right call with his huge playbook and Aranda is trying to do the opposite thing. And that's what the NFL is. Like, you can't, you just got to be able to do, unless you have generational, you know, cornerbacks and safeties like the Seahawks and linebackers and pass rush, then you kind of have to um, get into some different stuff uh, based on formation and stuff like that. All right. right. Um, NFL week, what week are we? I don't even know. Five going in. The, the last week of the NFL is in the books, which means PFF has data and grades for every single player who logged the snap last week. Uh, what you can get with a PFF subscription. All of PFF's locked article content. PFF's NFL and college football betting dashboards, which means our grade-powered projections, cover probabilities, and betting values. Zero to 100 grades of every single player, including the top rookies on every team. Player prop tool, which shows uh, plus and minus value for every NFL prop, and much more. Uh, so check out the highest graded players from week five and look to find Earth. No. Uh, check out the highest graded players from the last week and look to find early value on spread picks for the next week uh, at pff.com. All right, we're going to do one more um, NFL talk topic before we get into college. Uh, you want to talk about the Giants' defense. Uh, that was very good last year under Patrick Graham and is not so good this year. It's not any different, man. Like, in what my... The theme, of, the theme of the year for them is going to be that they can't stop the run well enough to continue playing defense the way that they're playing. There's just not enough plays in the backfield. And what's con what's getting concerning to me, and I saw this a lot in the Saints game, is that now they're, they're still trying to make investments. They're making more of an investment to try to make plays in the backfield, and it's still not working. So now all of that bend don't break. We can drop eight on third down if you need to. We can oh, play they were soft cover heavy three. cover two team. Yep, we can play a soft cover two out of dime personnel on third down. You can't get in those situations anymore. Like if you can get into those situations, it makes a lot of sense to play that way if you don't have the talent. But if an offense doesn't have to fear the fact that if they hand the ball off on first down, it might be a TFL or no gain. Well, then we can just play regular old offense on first down, right? You don't have to you don't have to think about attacking. And now they're ending up in scenarios where it's third and four, third and five, where the offense has a little bit better of an advantage. So now as a defensive coach, what are you thinking? All right, we got to rush five, right? I got to I got to make an investment in pressure, try to get the ball out of this guy's hands quickly, and then we'll rally up and make a tackle. And then they're rushing five and getting stonewalled. Like, to me, Leonard Williams is still playing well. He still looks like the same top three interior defensive lineman that he did last year. They added talent to the secondary. 
I mean, their their linebacker room was always going to be their linebacker room. It's not it's not going to blow you away, but it was fine uh, last year. Blake it, Martinez is the best linebacker <laughs> in the NFL, so I don't know what you're talking about. I, I'm gonna ask I'm gonna ask Justice how he feels about that take. <laughs> <laughs> but if you can't stop the if you can't stop the run, you can't play a bend don't break defense. And then if you blitz and you're not getting home, and you're really in trouble. Um, like so, from like a tendency perspective, not a whole lot has changed. It's just it's something as simple as not winning on early downs. That's that's something that is going to set, going to continue to separate these defenses that are successful and the ones that are not. If you want to play just regular old four down or odd front defense and not blitz a whole lot, you better be able to get production in the backfield out of your front. Otherwise, you're in trouble. And then when you do invest in pressure, you got to get home. Otherwise, you're in trouble. And that's where I think they find themselves right now. I don't know what the fix is because they clearly don't want to live in man. And I don't mm. think that they got the guys to live in man even if they wanted to. So I, I really don't know what the fix is outside of being way more aggressive. Like they might have to do something diametrically opposite from what they've been doing uh, to start this season if they really want to turn this thing around. And it's tough. I mean, they're, they're a Marshawn Lattimore busted coverage away from being on four, really. Really, Because if, yeah. if Lattimore doesn't bust that coverage, they don't score, and then they don't come back, probably don't come back against the Saints. So, yeah, it's it's tough. I think this team that everyone thought was, well, the defense is going to be really good again. And the funny thing is, what people banked on was, okay, the defense will stay the same, but Daniel Jones is going to improve, and then that's a real playoff team. Mm -hmm. Well, what's happened is Daniel Jones has improved, but the defense is not good enough now. And now they're playing in shootouts and stuff like that, and they have a chance to lose every game because of that, which has been tough. Um, I'll transition because we're talking about the Giants defense. I'll, I'll just do a little bit on the Saints um, offense. And mostly, you saw it why Taysom Hill is not the starting quarterback of the New Orleans Saints. This man takes so many hitch steps when he is about to throw the football that it just makes, it makes throwing the football just impossible. He took six hitch steps he off a of play action, play action, turned his back to the defense, finished the end of the drop, and then took six, six hitch steps to throw the ball to, uh, I think, Deontay Harris on a post route. Like, uh, the guy was open like four hitches ago, man. And that cost a game. Like, that was the game right there. They had a chance to go up big early in the third quarter, and Taysom throws an interception. And I'm just like, man, I, I, this is why you're not starting. Um, I thought the Saints' offensive line has been better the last two weeks. This was a huge issue after the Panthers game when, okay, they move in uh, Cesar Ruiz to center, Calvin Throckmorton plays right guard, Andrew Speed continues to play left guard, and they got pounded by the, the um, Panthers' interior. They've been a little better the last two weeks, and I thought this was a pretty good week, and this is how you can get Camaro going in the run game going. Now, I think the Saints run the ball too much on first down, First down run rate of 60%. Like, fucking throw the football, please, Sean. But uh, I think, like, getting some continuity. Off of, first of all, getting Eric McCoy back eventually at center would be really good. And I think that I haven't been impressed by Cesar Ruiz at all at center. And even last year at, at right guard. Man, I, I would be okay if they kept Calvin Throckmorton there at right guard and let him just roll because he's been he's been super solid. He's not gonna wow you anyway, but he's been super solid. And um, at least with that, if you get and Maurice Hurst is taking over for for uh, Taron Armstead has been okay. 
And I think at least with um, with kind of that offensive line, if you went McCoy, Throckmorton, Ramchick, and then hopefully Taron Armstead, I think if Pete is like the one bad player out of four, I'm okay with that. But Pete being one of three bad players, and the Saints have problems. Anyways, um, do you have any more NFL stuff you want to talk about? Uh, no, we can move on to college. All right, so moving out of college, that means uh, we'll have to tell you about um, one of our favorite partners on the uh, Too High podcast, that is Homefield Apparel. Homefield is a premium collegiate clothing brand out of Indianapolis, Indiana. Incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs. Homefield is in the middle of big new Saturday season two, where they launch a new school collection every Saturday at noon for 16 straight weeks. So they just did USC, and they've also done Georgia, North Carolina, Florida. Um, yesterday, I was wearing my LSU shirt around Cincinnati. Um, so go to homefieldapparel.com and use promo code PFF to get 50% off your first purchase. That is promo code PFF at homefieldapparel.com to get 15% off your first purchase. Okay. Going to talk about the LSU Tigers. We've said this before. I, I said it after the week one loss to UCLA. I'm saying it again after this loss to Auburn. I like Max Johnson. I think he's a really good quarterback. He's actually very accurate. The issue is he's not there yet mentally, and you're putting him in this offense that is so tough on him to make reads through through spread football. And it's funny to me because they went, they played Auburn. The one game that I watched, the All-22, the coaches film of Auburn, was against Penn State. Obviously, that was a big game a few weeks ago. And what I saw Auburn do under new defensive coordinator Derek Mason was play cover one every fucking snap. They lined up and they played cover one uh, with one high safety. They didn't spin much. They just played cover one on every snap. So what does LSU do? They've seen this tape. I, I, I'm, I'm assuming. They saw the Auburn tape. What does LSU do? They go trips open 60% of the game. They go, we're going to try and win one-on-ones every single snap of this football game. We're not going to bunch. We're not going to run motion. We're not going to run like, we're not going to run like, you know, split zone with the slide action to get it to, you know, if the guy's going to chase the slide action, we're not going to do that and try and get an easy toss out there. We're just going to run spread football against one-on-one -on -one coverage, and we're going to see if we can win one-on-ones. And guess what? They did twice. First play of the game, Keyshawn Butte, best receiver in football. Took a slant, 75 yards. Well, you won a one-on-one. -on -one. Congratulations. A little later on in the first half, uh, you have Keyshawn Butte, one-on-one nine route. Perfect ball by Max Johnson against double coverage. Double coverage as in the one high safety kind of get over, uh, came over there. Perfect ball into Butte's hands. You want a one-on-one? -on -one? Congratulations. Can you do this with non-Joe Burrow quarterback for a whole game? For a whole season? Like, no, you can't. No, you and can't. It's just, and, it's, and it's frustrating because I think this team is, is, is really talented on offense. Maybe not on an offensive line. But it's talented at the receiving core and at the... And at the quarterback position, that it, it shouldn't be this bad, and it is. And that, I think that, that's just frustrating because I think you can do more. How, Deontay, ask me how many times LSU ran 9-8-9 um, against Auburn. One time. <sighs> Getting frustrated again. <laughs> All right. 
Stone, so, go rub my rub my guy's back, man. He needs <laughs> needs some support. <laughs> so, I, I was thinking about this: LSU versus Alabama, 2019 in Tuscaloosa. First play of the game, Burrow throws down the sideline. Uh, a great play to get a little switch release uh, out of empty formation to get Jamar Chase the ball open. Okay, after that, I believe on the first drive that they went and scored a touchdown. They ran 989, play action 989. And again, we talk about 989 a lot. I'll, I'll explain it again. It's basically just three three receiver route. The slot has a read, so he's running vertical. And then if it's two safeties, he's going to split it and keep going down the field. And if it's one safety, he's going to cut it across on like a, a flat dig type of situation. And the two outside receivers are running mirrored routes. So if it's called that they're running go routes and they run go routes, sometimes they run comebacks, sometimes they run speed outs, like whatever, but it's usually nines, right? So nine, eight, nine. LSU ran at three, three times on the first drive of the game against Alabama and they were three for three and they scored a touchdown out of Jamar Chase against Trevon Diggs, I believe, um, on that first, three times, three times they ran in the first drive. They ran it one time against Auburn. They ran it one time against UCLA. And it's like, you had they did it with Joe Burrow. They did it with a great quarterback who could have played in a spread offense, which they, which they mostly were. So you, you you had this ability to be like, all right, we're gonna yes, we can play spread, but we can also condense it down and play a different type of game and let our quarterback give him easy reads. Where it's just like, hey, if the safety stays in the middle of the field, you throw a nine route. If the safety, even if it's two high safeties and the safety stays flat-footed like the Clemson weak safety did in the national championship game, you throw a nine ball to Jamar Chase. Like, you, you can still, like, and, I, and they're not doing that this year. And another thing that I don't understand they're not doing is, you know, their run game sucks. The run game is absolute garbage. And they're 120, since 2020, they're 126th in the country in average yards before contact before per rush. So obviously I'm not doing anything. But one of the things that LSU 2019 was really good at was getting into bunch formations out of trips, running duo, because we love duo from bunch, and then using that bunch to come with crossing routes because you're condensed. We talked about it last week with Ole Miss. They have two offenses. They have a spread offense and they have a condensed offense, usually in two by two, but LSU is three by one, a condensed bunch offense to run your crossing routes across the field because you've already you've already tightened your split. They don't do that anymore. So like, I, I just, I, I, <laughs> I like Max Johnson so much and I'm so mad that they're putting him in an offense that is forcing him. Dude, they ran stick backside. They ran stick, trips, trips, stick. They didn't even change it that much. It was always the number three running the stick. It was always number two running the speed out and number one running go. I'm pretty sure. Backside slant and sometimes the back would bubble out. 25 times i swear to god they ran it 25 times i'm just like okay but eventually they're going to stick on your stick route right eventually you're going to stick on your slant route right yeah then, now and what? Then, then what do you do yeah now what <laughs> uh, did i see a stick nod no did i see that stick swirl route that dk metcalf runs no I, I, I i'm beside myself and i understand the offensive line is not good but that's all the more to be to like be like, hey, sometimes we can go in bunch, we can help our offensive line. Sometimes we can go, um, you know, play it with a tight end. I understand they don't really have a tight end. Like they play with two tight ends. One of them is more of a receiver. But play Cole Taylor. He's a big tight end, like Thad Moss was, and get him in line, and then 
run play action 989 run play action get a crossing run and i just don't do that and i just don't get it and it just seems like such a simple fix to me but they want to be spread and it's they're gonna lose five more games this year. They're, they're, I don't know. Anyways, I'm done. I'm over it. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't have much to add. I mean, you cover basically all of it, so I don't have much to add. I just find the thing that I find the most interesting, and I understand how you make this mistake, is that you you run into this historic level of success doing this one thing, right? Yeah. And then you kind of like narrativize it in your head as a program, thinking that that was always how it was meant to be, which is funny because if you look across the rest of their conference the blueprint is right in front of you like if they were doing what arkansas was doing basically just without a running threat as a quarterback they'd be fine with that i would think if they were doing what georgia was doing i think they'd be fine with that you know having some different answers like it's still okay like i want everybody to know after you have success with the spread that doesn't mean the 12 personnel is bad that doesn't mean that having a downhill running game is bad it doesn't mean that running rpos now is bad like you're not above any of that stuff so I understood the idea behind, hey, we're going to lean back into the thing that made us successful. I know there was a lot of pressure from the fans as well coming off of 2020 to do that. But now to be halfway through the season, and it's like, okay, I think that we've evaluated now that this offense is not made for that. It doesn't mean that the offense you guys ran was a fluke, but this offense in particular is not made. This talent base is not made to run that offense. And this quarterback needs... Quarterback needs your help, OC. Like, yes. At some yes. at some point, dude. Like, you got to look at your quarterback and say, like, all right, I'm not doing enough for this guy. How can I do some more for this for this player? And the same with with, with Butte. Like, he's a great receiver. Going to play on Sundays. But hey, like, it worked for Jamar and Terrace Marshall and and Justin Jefferson because they each had each other. <laughs> you can manufacture single coverage when you got three guys who are pros yeah. on the field. Um, they don't have that right now. And while you can continue to force feed your great receiver, I don't have a problem with that, but they don't have anything else to manufacture openness for other guys. You got to have a way to get other guys open so you can add different layers to your offense. You know, it's, it's, a, it's just a lack of balance, not necessarily in terms of run pass, but just your distribution of the ball in the areas of the field yeah. you're trying to attack. Defenses don't have to honor you across, you know, all 53 blades of grass, all 53 yards of grass, horizontally and 100 yards vertically so if they don't fix that i mean it's going to be the same thing over and over again and you do not play in the division where you want to be leaning into one thing and not doing they, anything else there's going to be some trouble miss. they still have old miss they still have arkansas arkansas they still, yeah. they still have alabama they still have texas a&m and they have kentucky this week like bama and a&m like you can probably chalk that up because i just don't think that they have the talent to beat those defenses anyways but like yeah you want to talk about a game that's going to make LSU fans feel bad? That Arkansas yeah. one, that Arkansas oh one is going to hurt. Please, it's please, going to hurt. Please. Some, I don't want to talk about. There are going to be some hurt feelings and bad news yep. with that game, man. And I think it's funny because as as LSU people, we were like for 15 years, we were like, please stop running I formation. <laughs> the the the, le- the less miles I formation toss, toss lead baby toss power thing. <laughs> yep. Like can't can't let's like okay can we can stop with that thing? Like I'm done with it. And then 2019 happens. And, you know, the funny thing about 2019 was when you go look at the 2018 offense that Steve Edmonds was running, the, the 2019 offense is doing a lot of that same base stuff. Mm-hmm. But you put Burrow in shotgun, you have him 
you know, do RPOs, and it's like they were doing nine eight nine in twenty eighteen. You right. do they ran a ton against against UCF in the in the uh, in the Fiesta Bowl that year. But you make it more modern with the addition of Joe Brady and some other stuff he was doing, especially at MT. They were doing some really fun stuff. Obviously, we know. So they they and it's like oh my god, LSU is finally doing it there, and and it works so much. But they've taken they the, again. It goes back to kind of like the narrative thing you're talking about. Like, it's like they've taken this idea that they were a spread team, and they were for a, to, they were more spread than LSU ever was. But they weren't air raid. They weren't. I mean, yes, they were eleven personnel every play, and they didn't really move their receivers around. But they weren't like air raid per se. They ran the football hard. They ran fucking duo harder than any team in the league because they had dogs. They had Thad Moss and Justin Jefferson when those condensed splits were dogs. And it's like, we for, they forgot that they also did this stuff. Yes, they ran stick routes from 3 by one open in 2019. But they also did the other stuff, and they're not doing the other stuff anymore. And I think that is what's... Um, What's frustrating? The Too High Podcast is sponsored by Western and Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your roster moves, Western and Southern helps you advance your money moves. Buying your first home, planning to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow, Western and Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to identify your needs and address your goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. All right, last thing we want to talk about is two defenses. The top two defenses in EPA per play on in the college football, that would be Iowa and Georgia. And I think that the, the, what we really want to spend our time on here is talking about how both of them are uh, like two high teams. And Iowa's been a quarters team for fuck, 20 years now. And they've been a really good quarters team for, for 20 years now. And, and obviously, they're starting the season undefeated, so everyone's talking about them. But... One of the interesting things for me is how in those two high um, worlds, both them and Georgia are kind of getting into different things with how they stop the run. So Iowa, what's really interesting is they're more like classic quarters run stoppers. They're in heavy techniques. Georgia's in heavy techniques too, but they're in heavy techniques. They got a two eye. They got two twos. You know, two eyes sometimes. The no, when they play with a nose, like a shade, he is like tilted and like he's looking dead eye into the center's face. And what they do is they eat up blocks. And they eat up blocks. They play pretty relatively, you know, you know, base quarter stuff behind it, and they're gonna eat up blocks and they're gonna let their linebackers see it clearly because their interior players are really good. Noah Shannon's a really good player, number 99. And and they're able to um, eat up those blocks and, and, and make a lot of plays in the run game. Whereas, and you can you can talk about this, whereas Georgia, and we kind of talked about this on Monday too, we want to talk about it again. Georgia's a little more aggressive with it. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's all about how you want to layer your defense, right? Like, if you watch Iowa, the first thing I thought about was like, oh, they just... This is like Narduzzi. Like this is just like yes, watching. that's it. That's it. But that's it, it though. It, it's literally just like the old Narduzzi, Mark Antonio quarters coverage um, out of four down. Yeah, and, and to a certain degree, we don't really give like Norm Parker the credit, but he's been a really good defensive coordinator for a right. Long time. Doing the same, basically doing the doing exact the same, same thing. thing. Doing the exact same thing. Like and to that point, like so, what are the kind of issues you run into if you're a quarters team? Is teams that want to get into like three by one, you know, well, try to get guys out of the box and then force your weak safety to fit the run. But with what they're doing with those heavy techniques, like you mentioned, is keeping guys clean, right? You just want to keep 
keep your second level of your second level defenders clean so that way you don't have to ask your safeties to come flying down from depth to help you fit the run um so that's that's number one like and that is that was the way you know 10 15 not maybe not 15 but maybe like 10 10 8 to 10 years ago you're talking about defending the spread that's what it was right you want to get into four down front you got a three technique, you got a two eye, and you're striking guys. You're basically yeah. playing five for five between the mic and the four down lineman. And then you get your extra fitters from either direction. And what Georgia has done, there's still an element to that. But because they want to they want to play more in the backfield, you know, without necessarily yeah. sacrificing being in those two high shells, they do what we kind of discussed uh, in, on the first pod this week, which is kind of like getting into these quasi like cross dog pressures. Where they're bringing their middle backer, uh, Nicobe Dean, who's like one of the best blitzing linebackers that I, I can ever remember seeing in college football. Like the way he can time up cadences and get across the faces of, of a center or a guard is extremely impressive. And they're basically just turning, they're turning linemen back. So you're just opening this A gap wide. So now offensive, like running backs, feel like they have to hit this A gap, right? And then the rest of the defense just converges on them. So they've done a great job of containing the box. And being able to cross the center's face. And if they want to just play regular four down, you know, they can get into their odd front and their even front. And then they put those big monster defensive tackles on the inside. And and they can do what Iowa does even better than Iowa does it. Like Exactly. Exactly. The fact that they can toggle between both worlds, like that's what makes Georgia special. Like a defense like Iowa is very reminiscent of what things used to be like. And they can still do it at a very high level. You know, they'll, they'll kind of stunt and read out, you know, play primary to secondary at times. And then Georgia can do that. Oh, and then they can also pressure while also playing tight coverage. So you can't really RPO them either. And they're getting these TFLs. Like, it's it's freakishly good what Georgia is doing. And the ability, there's a reason why defenses don't do what Georgia is doing. It's hard to live in both worlds, right? You talk about that all the time. It's for 99% of people, you got to choose a world and live in it. And the yeah. fact that they can do both is, is what makes them who they are. Uh, Deontay, did you know it's football season? And do you know what that means? It means we're going for two here with the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. Blitzing through hairs has never been easier, and it's time for you to join the two time for you, Deontay, uh, to join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by using code PFF at manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping it's three and out the window with all the other trimmers now go tame that wildcat offense um the brand new lawnmower 4.0 is here to take your defense to the next level this fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin skin safe technology uh i had an issue because i forgot to bring my razor my manscape razor to uh cincinnati so i had to do like old school manual razor and i i think i actually did a pretty good job anyways uh the lawnmower 4.0 has 7,000 rpm has a 7,000 rpm motor and new multifunction on off switch it has an on off switch this time <laughs> that, that can engage the travel lock and, and gives you the ability to turn the 4,000k led spotlight off spotlight on on and off um when you need a more precise shave in the dark i guess um yes and it's waterproof too uh, rain, snow, or sleet, there are no, it is, rain, snow, or sleet is no match for the waterproof power of the 4.0. There is no more 15-yard penalty for this clipping. I, whatever. Uh, 
Uh, get 20% off and free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using code PFF. Stiff arm your pubes out of the playoffs this year with manscaped.com. All right. So one thing um, that you talk about is how this, this kind of Iowa defense is a little old school, but they play it really soundly. One of the issues is that they can do this in the Big Ten. Yes. And it reminds me it reminds me of how Dave Aranda kind of had to change his defense when he went from Wisconsin to to LSU. To LSU. Yeah. And you're you're talking you're in a world where you know at that time was even even more um, you know heavy personnel but you're talking a 21 12 personnel world to the 11P offenses of the SEC. Um, and you, that it's and that that is where it's tough like you said being in three by one, what is a weak safety doing? How do you guys deal with that? Um, it, it basically unbalanced formations and three by one would be one of those. So yeah, th that that scares me going forward, but they're so talented uh, on both trenches. I mean, offensive line is really good too. So that would scare me the most going forward is what do they do against a more of a spreadier team and a good spreadier yes. team that they're gonna face um, you know, it might be Alabama. Honestly, it might be Ohio State in the, in the Big Ten championship game. So mm -hmm. I think that's where where we'll, we'll, we will really see if Iowa's made up to, to play this year and, and be a, a real contender. Yeah, I mean, that that is the thing that I think about. But it's funny, you know, I, I was actually, I'm going through the clips that I had saved and I kind of had this thought and I wanted to go back and look at it. It's just funny to watch this defense w under the context of thinking about all the tight front stuff. Because what they're doing is basically, if you were a four-down team and you didn't want to be a three-down team, but you wanted to fit the run like tight, that's basically what they're doing, mm -hmm. right? You're you're eating up all these interior gaps. You're playing with these like heavy five techniques on as the end, so that oh, way they can a, oh my God. so they can strike tackles, you know, and try to close off B gaps. So that way the mic is the only player you have to have in the box. Like he's like that's a oh, yeah four-one box is a lot, man. Yeah, like that's that's a cool like it's a cool way to live if you can do that. But when you get to teams that not only can spread the ball, but can spread the ball and then get downhill in the running game, that's when you start running into trouble, right? Like, and, and you know, the Venable stuff is the stuff that I know really well as far as guys who like to live in 4-1 boxes and fit the run. And what does he do? He always brings a safety in. Like, mm -hmm. he's extremely aggressive with rolling a safety or, or that overhang backer back into the box. Because at, at a certain point, you've got to get an extra unblockable defender to stop the run. It's just a matter of where you bring it from and when you decide to bring it, you know. So, you know, the RPO offenses that can also play, like, out of 11 personnel get downhill, I'm interested to see how this defense stands up against it. So whether it's in Michigan, whether it's in Ohio State, in the uh, Big Ten championship game, that's that's going to be Penn key State. for me. Well, no, Penn, Penn State, State this well. weekend. Actually, Penn yep. State, Iowa this weekend. So this yeah. will be a really good look for them, you know, seeing exactly what they are when you're dealing with the team that wants to be – a downhill zone, get double teams, get movement vertically. That's good at it. That not just runs it, but it's good at it. How do they do? They adjust it all, and if they don't, can this thing stand up? You know, in this era of football. Yeah. And I, I will say that they have two really good corners. I think our two highest graded corners, uh, Riley Moss and Matt Hankins, play for Iowa. So like that, it's going to help them trigger their safeties. If they want to live on islands, even right. though you're in quarters, you can still trigger your safeties. You're going to put your you're going to put your your uh, corners on islands, and we'll see if that's what they want to do um, going against some of the offenses that you um, that you talked about. All right, folks.
That's it. We're done. Uh, thanks for listening as always. Uh, and again, a big shout out to Eastern Europe for being our number one fans. Always. Always. Uh, all right. See you guys next week.